We are uh, continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke this morning and uh, come to one of those passages that doesn't matter if you've been a Christian all your life uh, or if you're new to the Christian faith and you're exploring it, uh, this one is very unsettling. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word. A reading from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we're undone uh, by the words of Jesus here. And we pray that you would do your work in our hearts this morning, whether that's for the first time or for the millionth time, uh, because we need to take to heart what you have said in your word. So, Lord, give us your spirit, uh, tend to the depths of our souls, uh, help us to understand, and, uh, Lord, give us faith uh, that we might walk in the way of Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I have uh, three delightful daughters, And uh, they are just the love of my life. And these three girls have either all gone through this certain phase or are still in this phase, uh, particularly the younger ones. And that is uh, loving to go to Cheeky Monkey Toys. Uh, Yeah, I get an amen out there. Cheeky Monkey Toys in Menlo Park is uh, this remarkable toy store that has basically anything and everything you could want. And every time we go... Uh, it is like a full court press. Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? And it is utterly exhausting. And the reason they ask for so many things is because it will cost them nothing and they think it will bring them happiness. But on rare occasions, we go to Cheeky Monkey Toys and they have a gift card that they've received. And that gift card has a limit. and it's remarkable how quickly things change. Because whereas if we're just going to Cheeky Monkey Toys with me, it's dad can have this, dad can have that. But, But once they have the gift card in their hand, nothing is good enough. Nothing is good enough. And it takes forever. And I'm like, do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want this? Let's, let's get this done. Okay. Because once they realize they have the limitations of a gift card, they start doing the calculation. What will it cost and is it worth it? What will it cost and is it worth it? 
Now, I, I want to I suggest to you that you and I actually never grow out of this kind of stage in life. It just, it just migrates to a larger and broader landscape. You see, it's this exact same principle of asking what will it cost and is it worth it that animates the entirety of our lives, right? In our fantasies, okay, we have all the time that we need to do everything that we want to do. We can get a six pack by working out. We can launch our startup. We can be a great mom or dad. We can find someone to marry. We can take great vacations. We can learn a new language. We can serve at the soup kitchen. We can master a musical instrument. We can form deep friendships, And in our fantasy life, we have all the time we need for that. And we have all the time we need for all of that. But in real life, we have a very limited amount of time and energy and focus. And we're constantly asking, what will it cost and is it worth it? You know, Jesus is getting at the reality of this this morning in our passage. And I want to step back for a second and ask this question, what does it mean to be a Christian? I mean, there's lots of different answers for that. But one of the ways that we can answer that question based on this passage is it means to be his disciple. It means to follow Jesus, to bring the entirety of your life under his lordship. And one of the things that Jesus makes clear is This isn't an optional extra. Like when you're buying a car, like what other bells and whistles do you want on it? You know, discipleship is essential to Christianity. There's not two types of Christians, right? The kind of like low grade Christian and then the disciple, right? Discipleship is it. Bringing your life under Jesus. And what we're told in this passage and beginning in verse 25 is uh, as Jesus has gone about his ministry, great crowds are gathering. Okay, and it, it, he's at the height of his popularity. This isn't, um, he's not the newest thing right now. He's been doing this for years. And people are just, they're, they're just, they're pressing in on him. They're following him everywhere. Some want to hear more teaching. Some want to see more miracles. But Jesus takes a moment and says, we got to get something straight here. If you really want to follow me, that calls for radical commitment. And just look at these words. You got to hate your family and yourself. You got to carry your cross. You got to renounce everything that you have. I mean, this is utterly confrontational and controversial. It's a hard sell. I mean, this isn't Jesus the politician or the salesman, right? Jesus is, this is Jesus the Lord confronting us. And, and Luke, the author of this gospel, has carefully arranged his material. Remember last week we talked about Uh, the parable of the great banquet, that there's this party coming, party to end all parties, the greatest party you could ever imagine. And this is what Jesus came to bring, right? That's what's behind this passage. You know what comes after it? The parable of the prodigal son, or better stated, the, the parable of the two lost sons. And in between is a collection of sayings that speak of the high cost of discipleship in clear and demanding terms. And we need to wrestle with this. The banquet is absolutely free, but the only way in is through Jesus. And clinging to Jesus means you're assuming some certain responsibilities and making some certain choices about your life. So what I want to do is I I don't want to make, you know, two points, three points. I want to kind of plot our way through this passage 
and see if we can get an understanding of what we're being called to here. And the first thing I want to say is that saying yes also means saying no. Okay? That's a kind of a fundamental principle in life. Um, we don't like to think about it too much because we want to be able to say yes to everything. I mean, we're Silicon Valley dwellers, right? We're always optimizing, keeping our options open, never for, you know, closing any doors. But saying yes to anything ultimately means saying no to other things. And that's true at a very mundane level, right? I choose this place to go on vacation, right? And which means I'm not going these other places. And I have to ask, what will it cost and is it worth it? When you accept the job offer, right? You're, you're saying yes to this job, but you're saying no to these other jobs. And you're having to ask, what is it going to cost and is it worth it? Or how about getting married? Saying yes to a spouse means saying no to every other woman or man in the way that you're going to build a life together. But see, when it comes to our whole life, we actually don't think about this very much because we're always trying to diversify our portfolio. We want to put a, a, a little bit of hope in this, a little bit of hope in that, maybe a little bit of hope in our career, a little bit of hope in family, a little bit of hope in our children, a little bit of hope in our friendships. And then we think, and maybe we'll put a little bit of hope in Jesus as if he's an add-on. Because we want to diversify in case any one of these things fails us, including Jesus. And what Jesus is doing is bringing a full stop to that nonsense. And he says, I'm not an add-on to your life. I'm something that fundamentally reorients everything about you. And saying yes to me means saying no to everything else. See, discipleship is ultimately about ultimate allegiances. And here, look at the radical demands Jesus makes. Three times he says this, whoever does not, cannot. Whoever does not, cannot be my disciple. And the most demanding and maybe unsettling is what comes first. You have to hate your family. Hate our families? What in the world is Jesus talking about here? Now, look, I don't want to remove the sting of this because Jesus is trying to disturb us and unsettle us. But we need to make clear that we, we shouldn't understand his words in a way that contradicts other scriptures. For example, one of the Ten Commandments is to honor your father and mother. Or make this, you know, in some way, make Jesus contradict himself. He tells us to love our neighbor, right? But hate our families, right? Love your enemy, but hate your wife and kids, Okay, what, what's going on here? Well, here, here's what's going on. The language of hate is about loyalty, not feelings. And this is what I mean. Uh, in Genesis chapter 29, for example, this is the way uh, he, Hebrew people uh, would, would, would say things. Okay, you got Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And the way it said is Leah was hated. It's the call to hate is rhetorical, not literal. He loved Rachel more than Leah, which means Leah was rejected. And what Jesus is saying is this. When push comes to shove, if you want to be my disciple, you have to be prepared to choose loyalty to me over everyone and everything. And when we talk about everyone, he gets very specific. That includes your parents. That includes your spouse, if you have one. That includes your kids. That includes your brothers. That includes your sisters. And you know what? He even goes so far, that even includes yourself. Your dreams, your ambitions. 
your loyalty and love for me should be so great that your loyalty and love for them looks like hate in comparison. Those are the disturbing words of Jesus here. Now, before uh, we press down in this a little bit more, I want you to notice something, especially if you're new to the Christian faith. You know, sometimes people say like, did Jesus really claim to be God? And there's an overwhelming amount of evidence. But sometimes we miss what's staring us in the face. Jesus, a Jewish man walking in Palestine, is here claiming the rights that were reserved only for God himself. You know what the first commandment is? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And here's Jesus saying, your loyalty and love for me needs to be above and beyond anything and everything else. That means Jesus is saying, I'm the one. I'm the God of heaven and earth. I am the one before whom you should have no other gods. And you see, we've got, we've got to wrestle with this because a lot of times we want to sort of separate Jesus as Savior from Jesus as Lord, which is kind of like trying to separate David from Jones, as if you want to invite David to the party, but Jones can't come. You're like, it doesn't work that way. If David comes, Jones is coming too, right? You cannot receive a half Jesus. He is Savior and he is Lord. And becoming his disciple means you're saying you are Lord and you deserve ultimate love and loyalty above everything else. You know, what we often do is we say, Jesus is Lord in my life unless. Jesus is Lord. Yeah, I, I'm going to follow him unless he doesn't bring me a spouse or he doesn't give me a child or he doesn't heal me of my sickness or he doesn't give me a satisfying life and career or he doesn't take away my depression. We have all our unlesses or our ifs or sometimes our intils, right? I, I'm, yeah, I, I believe Jesus is Lord, right? But um, I, I'll get to that later. I got to finish my PhD, right? Or I really need to, to work hard right now because I'm in that startup phase where if I don't give everything to this, it's inevitably going to fail. I believe in Jesus, but I can't put him first right now. Because I have my career. Or I have my family. And the thing is, is we're not understanding Jesus. If we don't understand that saying yes to him. Means saying no to everything else. As our ultimate loyalty and love. This is the radical demand. Saying yes. Means saying no. Now here's the second thing I want to talk about. Okay. This is going to cost you. It is going to cost you. And what Jesus is saying is. You need to consider the cost. You need to count the cost. Okay? So he, he tells these stories, these two little parables. And he says, look, who in his right mind starts a building project without calculating the cost? To see if he has enough to finish. Right? That's, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. You're going to make a mockery of yourself. And he talks about a king going to war. If your army is half the size of your enemies, right, uh, you better have a great plan. Uh, or you need to negotiate for peace. Before he gets to your borders. Because you're risking not just social embarrassment. But your entire kingdom and your life. And what Jesus is saying is. I want you to come eyes wide open. Into what it means to have a relationship with me. The saying yes means saying no. And that means you are going to be paying costs. To follow me. Now look. 
here's the thing. A lot of times when we talk about this kind of stuff, we think, wow, like, okay, I better, I, I better get after it. Um, you know, this isn't something I really do in my life, paying down costs, um, but Jesus calls me to. But this is, this is the thing about this that's, that's so crazy, is we're already paying costs every day of our life. We have this capital called time and energy and focus and emotions, right? That we are, we're paying down to something because we're investing in some hope. And yeah, we diversify our portfolios and try to put a little bit of hope here, a little bit of hope there, a little bit of hope there, but we're always paying down costs. We're making sacrifices for what we think will bring peace or happiness or fullness in our lives. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the center, I am the everything, and you need to say yes to me, which means saying no to everything else as the thing that you are paying ultimate cost for. Look, we can't escape this. Every day you're making sacrifices for something that you think will bring goodness, happiness, or joy, or peace, or fullness into your life. We can't have it all. We can't have it all. So we give up things. And we give up things for a reason. And what Jesus is saying is, I need to be the center. I need to be the center. And he's also saying, you need to be asking, right? Is this worth it? And that's something we don't do a lot in Silicon Valley is pause and actually question the way the entirety of our lives are oriented. We don't actually think. We just sort of go along with the flow. And one of the ways we do that is, you know, we actually think that being rich and well-educated and successful is what produces happiness. There's a friend of mine that says, if there's one thing that you need to remind yourself of every day is this, that there are rich, educated, successful people in this world who are very, very empty. And there are poor, uneducated, unsuccessful people who are very full. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it because you've got to ask the hard questions about your life and what you are paying costs for, what you are making sacrifices for, and is it worth it? And here's the thing. This can sound ominous. It can sound, it sound so like burdensome. But here's a beautiful reality that we, we don't give enough attention to is that the key to unlocking the deepest delights and joys in life actually come through sacrifice. A joy that costs you nothing will mean nothing to you. That the way you actually unlock joy in your life is by finding the thing that is worth sacrificing for. And so that raises the question, right? Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? You're gonna be paying down costs for something. Jesus says, Pay down the cost for me, and I demand everything, right? Is he worth it, and how would you know? Friends, look, that is the right question to ask. Whether you've been a Christian all your life, or whether you're considering becoming a Christian, is Jesus worth it is the question. Is he worth the cost of giving up everything? And here's the answer that the gospel gives He is worth it not just because he's the Lord. He is worth it because he's the only one who gives up everything for you. We looked at Hebrews chapter 12 just for a moment last week. 
where we talked about for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, cross scorning its shame. He died to bring the party. What was the joy that Jesus had set before him? You know what the joy was? It was you. And what did he give up? He gave up his everything. He didn't love us because we were good or because we were worthy. He gave up his life with the full knowledge of our failures. He knows our doubts. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our lusts. He knows our bitterness. He knows our envy. He knows our selfishness. He knows everything about us, and he chose to give up everything for us. This is a love like no other. And Jesus unlocked the joy of love by sacrificing everything he has for the ones he loves. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. And you know, the world is always demanding that you prove your worth, right? And it only rewards you when you do it. What does Stanford do with the unworthy? It doesn't admit them. What does Google do with the unworthy? It doesn't hire them. What does the world do with the ugly and the unpresentable? It shames them. What do we do with the awkward and the annoying? We avoid them. What do we do with people who fail us and hurt us? We reject them. But here's what Jesus does. He dies for them. Jesus is worth giving up everything because he gave up everything for us. And one of the beautiful promises that Jesus makes to us, found just a couple of chapters after this in the Gospel of Luke, is this. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. He he doesn't just take everything from you. He gives everything back redeemed and restored and rightly ordered. You know, a few years ago, one of my children, um, and I'm not going to say which one it was because it might embarrass her, but... Um, she cornered me and she asked me this question, dad, do you love Jesus more than me? And I gulped because I love my daughter so much, but I gulped more so because I'm like, how is this going to make sense to her? (laughs) And I looked her in the eye and I said, yes, honey, I love Jesus more than you. But what you need to know is that because I love Jesus more than you, I love you more than I could if I didn't. Jesus restores our loves. He rightly orders them. But it begins with submission to who he is. And he is worth it because he gives up his everything. And why would we not want to give everything back to him? Let's pray. Father, we come to you, we thank you for disturbing words, uh, Lord, that get us out of our comfort zone. We thank you that you unsettle us only to resettle us, Lord, in something more sturdy and worthy. And Jesus, we, we praise you that you gave up your everything to have us. And we pray that you would help us to understand what it means to say yes to you above everything else. And in what sense those no's be said, need to be said everywhere else. Lord, we, we come needy, we come weak, 
Um, but you knew all that. You know all that. And you loved us and you died for us. So Lord, draw us in that we might in, enter into the deep joy and delight of sacrificing everything for you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.